0: Hello and welcome to the SEO SAS podcast, where your hosts are myself, Sarah McDowell, SEO specialist at Like Mind Media. And of course, we have the wonderful, vibrant, beautiful, flipping funny, good in the kitchen, just an awesome person, Hannah Bryce, SEO manager at Holland & Barrett. Why do we call ourselves SEO, SAS? Well, we are your special answering service when it comes to SEO. We love talking about SEO. That's why we have a podcast, because we thought, what better way to get stuck into topics, debate things that are happening in industry, get sort of talking about what's working, what's not, and generally just
1: help everyone get better at SEO. This show is brought to you by the team at like Mind Media.
0: Like My Media help clients find their audience and start having conversations with them, whether that's on social media, content, or even podcasts, just like this one.
1: We're actually using their podcasting equipment right now. They're super lovely people who take time to understand your business and think like
0: you. thanks, Hannah. Just wanted to give you guys a quick heads up that we've set ourselves up on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that supports projects just like our podcast. So, for 5 pounds a month, you can become a premium member of the SEO SAS podcast and receive additional benefits such as bonus episodes. You'll be the first to know about episodes, events, anything that we're up to, plus more. So, if that sounds like your kind of thing and you want to get involved, you have two options. You can visit com forward slash S-E-O-S-A-S podcast or you can go to www.patreon.com. Patreon.com, and then in the Finder Creator search bar, search for SEO SAS, and we'll come up. So we look forward to you guys becoming a member and enjoying those additional benefits. But we just want to quickly say thank you so much to everyone who supports our podcast. So thank you for listening, for sharing our episodes, for leaving lovely reviews and feedback, for guests that come on and chat with us. We just want to say thank you for supporting us as we couldn't do this without you guys. So yes, take care, everyone. Right, Hannah. How are we doing?
1: Yeah, I mean that was that was some intro. Thank you. What? <laughs> that was awesome could you kind of hear the cogs in my brain ticking? Yeah I mean it's just nice to know what you think of me to be honest and yeah I especially love to be good in the kitchen part because as you know we've got five interviews today it's an awesome day and we had a quick break for lunch and I um, was very lucky because my lovely husband made us both a sausage sandwich and that left me time I was like quick let's make some flapjacks <laughs> so right now we've got some flapjacks yeah waiting to, well they're just cooling in the fridge with a nice caramel topping at the moment so oh my god too
0: bad in the kitchen yeah you are painting yourself as just a wonderful person right now
1: (laughs) i think you've painted me like that so thank you (laughs) you'll have to let so you'll have to let me know how the flapjacks are oh we've had them before they are they're amazing i'm happy to share the recipe with anybody they are just the best flapjack i've ever had in in my life
0: wow wow that is a statement and a half isn't it
1: it's not my recipe obviously but um yeah they are just so good
0: because I had a rather large breakfast, when we broke for lunch, I obviously had coffee because that's what fuels me. Caffeine, it's running in my veins. But yes, I had a, I had a snack and I opted for Biscoff biscuits because, oh my gosh, they are amazing. They are so good. So, so good. And then you upped the game because you thought I was on about the new versions of the Biscoff biscuits where there's like the filling in between.
1: Yeah. And I didn't even know that these existed, so. Apparently you can get them in Tesco. I haven't seen them yet, but actually that's something to add to the next shopping list. I mean, is that an essential drawing lot? I don't know. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. Wow. <laughs> uh, right, Shell, I'll let you sort of announce our exciting news for this week. Yes, we have an awesome guest today. So welcome to the super talented Hamlet Batista, CEO of RankSense in New Jersey. Hello, Hamlet.
2: Hello. Really happy to be here and great to know that you're great in the kitchen. (laughs) I
1: will happily share the recipe with you, Hamlet.
2: That will be awesome.
1: Are you good in the kitchen, Hamlet?
2: I'm terrible. I love love to be in the kitchen, you know, uh, waiting for my food, waiting for my wife to finish. (laughs) 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 I'm a waiting person. Yeah.
1: You sound very well and taken smell, care like,
2: of in I'm, that I'm news. good at smelling. I mean, right now you have to, right? Because you're quarantined, right? I, I wouldn't say that she loves it, but I mean, you know, we're quarantined, we don't have a lot of, any other option.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is
0: it week five or week six for us of lockdown? I don't know. I you lose it. track.
1: How, yeah. how long have you been in lockdown, Hamlet?
0: I think I lost track too. But... <laughs>
2: It has to be be more than a month, for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully not too much longer for all of us.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Cool. Well, thank you very, very much for joining us today. So before we get on to talking about SEO, what we'd like to do is ask you a few quick fire questions so that us and our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Does that sound okay?
2: That sounds great.
1: Awesome. So kicking us off, do you prefer cats or dogs? Dogs. Dogs. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Walking or running? Walking. Swimming or skiing? Swimming. The beach or the mountains? The beach. And what's your favorite movie?
2: My favorite movie is a science fiction movie called uh, Garga.
1: I've not seen that. And what's your favorite place to go on holiday?
2: Actually, Dominican Dominican Republic. I'm originally from.
1: Oh, nice. And what's your favorite meal?
2: favorite meal is rice with, uh, we call it, Arroz confideo in Spanish. Rice with uh, with spaghetti. It's a very special type of...
0: Hang on, pause. Right, yeah. Rice and spaghetti together.
2: Yeah, it's really...
0: Amazing.
1: <laughs> that just breaks I'm, walls.
2: Yeah, my mom, she, she does that and it's very special. I
1: love it. Oops. I mean, that sounds crazy. It's crazy good though. <laughs> awesome. Right.
0: So, I, and I love how serious you took answering of those questions tonight. <laughs> I could really think that, I could really tell that you wanted to give the right answer there. But yes, I feel like, well, I know you and, well, know you a bit more and so does our audience. So I think we should sort of get talking about SEO because at the end of the day, that is what the podcast is about. So today we'd like to talk to you about the importance of Automating repetitive tasks to free time up for more creative work. And very important, how you can do this on a budget. Because with SEO, there are loads of repetitive tasks where you're thinking, surely there's a quicker way of doing this. So to kick us off, I sort of feel, and I think a lot of us feel, that SEOs spend a lot of time in spreadsheets. It hurts the eyes. Which workflows do you think they should be automating?
2: Yeah, so almost most of the tasks that you will do in spreadsheets, you know, can be automated or semi-automated, you know, database, right? So you could be thinking about what are common things, keyword research, right? Anytime uh, doing keyword research and mapping intents or in doing intent classification or uh, even rewriting titles, descriptions, image alt tags, you know, it's crazy that you are able now to do a lot of those stats you know, automatically. It sounds like it might not be possible. It sounds like, oh, how would you even do that? I just I will invite, you know, listeners to go to my a call, visit my column on search engine journal. Just searching search engine journal for my name or search for Python and you'll find it. And you'll find just examples of the stuff that I talked about. Right. It's it's amazing what you can do. It's incredible.
0: Yeah. Definitely. And I i was talking to someone and I can't remember who it was. I, in SEA, you end up having conversations with loads of different people. And I've kind of had those conversations on Twitter, but someone said to me, if you're feeling like a task is repetitive, chances are there is a way to automate it. So yes, definitely go in. We'll link to your sort of author bio on search engine in our show notes. So people can definitely go and check that out.
1: Cool. Okay, so you were going to be speaking at Brighton SEO in April this year. And obviously, because of lockdown everywhere, it's, it's just not happening. It's not happening until October, hopefully. Your talk was going to be about how SEO text can be automated inside development pipelines. What do you mean by that?
2: It's a really interesting uh, concept. And it's a lot of times when we think about SEO, we're thinking about doing the work after the development work is done. So we're thinking about, oh, the website is built. Let me now audit the site. Let me now fix problems. And uh, this concept that I was gonna yeah, I'm gonna talk about, and I'll be talking about in in, in October, is about doing the uh, this SEO work while the development is taking place. Which you will think, oh, how is that even possible, right? As the developers are adding features to the site, you know, adding you know functionality or improving existing sites, having SEO oversight during that process. So basically, is after you have, every time that a developer pushes a code, and I'm sure you've heard about that, they, they, they make it a change and they remove the canonicals, they remove the So they uh, introduce an, uh, what it, what you would call an SEO, an SEO bug, or an SEO issue, that there are pages with no index they shouldn't have, okay? that were correct and now are, are, are incorrect. So in developer lingo, you have this uh, concept of continuous integration where everything that they're doing in the development oh, side okay. is automatically tested. So they write a feature and when they, re- when they pop- publish that feature to their, what is called a code repository, typically it's GitHub, it gets automatically verified that the features that they intended to do actually work the way they're expecting them to do. And in that concept in the developer world, you, that feature that you can also, you can verify not just the, the, that the feature works, but you can also do verifications that the SEO tags are correct, that they're not missing tags or that they didn't miss up something when they release the code. So it's a really interesting concept. And yeah, you know, and I was you know, really looking forward, still really looking forward to showing how you can do that.
0: Yes. And I mean, that just seems a bit, like you were saying that lots of people wait for doing sort of audits and tasks after development but it just makes as you're explaining it it does make sense to do it as part of the process so yeah but sometimes things that are common sense don't often get thought about hopefully this conference can go ahead in October because I'll be on the front row for that one
1: yeah it'd be good to get some developers to listen to that as well because I think a lot of the challenge at that stage of a, of a new website or a migration you kind of do have to rely on developers understanding here a tiny bit or at least caring about it yes, exactly. definitely
0: yeah. definitely definitely
1: okay so some people
0: I know that when I hear about automation I completely understand like how important it is and how it can sort of free up your time so you can be doing like more creative things with your SEO time as it were. But I suppose one thing that I struggle with is knowing what sort of skills I would need to sort of look into automation. So what would you say is essential?
2: Yeah. So I, I think if you're looking into automation, you should at least be comfortable with doing advanced Manipulation in, in sheets or in, or in Excel, right? So, so you should be comfortable with with combining uh, Google Sheet functions or Excel functions, and you should be comfortable with dealing with regular expressions. Uh, which, if you think about a lot of things that you have to do in the technical in, in the technical sp- in the technical SEO space, rely for you, you know you need to you need to know how to use regular expressions. Right, a lot of tools rely on that. So you need to do that you know, as a starting point, And you need to also be able to communicate what you're doing, your process. You need to be able to learn how to write uh, or express your, your tasks, the processes, in pseudocodes. What is pseudocode? Pseudocode is not really programming code, but it's like you can describe things at a level of detail that a computer can take from. Right. Once you have those skills, and it doesn't take a lot of time to practice them, you can uh, take on the challenge of learning, you know, a programming language like you know Python or JavaScript. That will enable you to take these ideas and these skills and and start building automation.
1: Amazing. So, just talking about regular expression there. For anybody who doesn't know what that is, what how would you explain that?
2: So, a regular expression is it's like a search. Right? So when you're performing a search in Word or in, Excel, or in Excel, you're searching for a phrase. Instead of searching for a phrase, you can search for a generalized phrase. So a regular expression is a way to search in a generalized way. So, for example, um, you want to search for Hamlet Batista, right? And you will say, okay, I'm going to search for Hamlet Batista, but what if it's not written, what if it's misspelled? Right, or you want to search for a brand name and you will say what is my brand name it's not a, it wasn't spelled correctly so you know that sometimes you start removing characters to figure mm-hmm. out and so that regular expression is kind of like that idea of how do you generalize a search so that you can account for different ways to type it by removing characters so that's kind of like a what I will say the simplest way to explain what it is.
1: That's awesome, thank you. So you've mentioned JavaScript and Python, and I mean, regular listeners will definitely know what JavaScript is because we do talk about that quite a lot, but we've, we haven't really touched on Python much. How would you describe that?
2: So yeah, so, Both are general purpose programming languages, right? So there are two ways you can look at JavaScript, for example, that you're more familiar. So there is the front-end code that adds the the functionality to the web page, right? So there is the dynamic part of the web page that is powered by JavaScript, right? And we talked about the, the, you know, the performance impact. And we talked about Googlebot executing JavaScript, right? So mm-hmm. the other way to think about it is that the, it is a programming language that enables automation. So you can use JavaScript to automate things, right? And I've written an, an article in uh, so a journal that, that what I show you with JavaScript, how you can automate uh, the URL inspection tool. So you can automate the browser and give the browser instructions. Click here, click there.
0: So Hamlet, sticking on the sort of theme of Python, what kind of previously hard to get insights can Python give us?
2: Yeah, that is that is an excellent question. I can, for example, give an uh, share, I share, I share. I should share, I think yesterday, the day before yesterday, a tweet about a research that I did for another talk that I'm I'm gonna be giving. Uh, in in a couple of weeks and it is about finding content gaps and more specifically content format gaps so one really interesting change that is happening in the industry is that we're way past the 10 blue links so this traditional view that okay i'm going to write content for keywords and I'm going to be looking at my little link, what is it, ranking? It's been dramatically, out, uh, it's changed dramatically because you have so many search features, right? So you have images, videos, you know, carousels, knowledge graphs, you have all these interesting features in the search results, and you have to start shifting your thinking and where am I missing content that can become a, f- a content format where I can have, I can capture a search feature, right? An image, a video, a feature, feature video, feature image, top story. And there are no tools that are doing that right now. So you can't just say, okay, I have my, my pages. Which ones are missing content features that are performing, right? So I exactly did that. So I took Python code, combined a, a few different uh, work that I've done across different articles and, and speeches, and, and I created that visualization that shows you in a heat map, a binary, what I call a binary heat map, which essentially shows you uh, two colors. In yellow, it shows you if the search feature uh, that page is ranking for keywords that are require, requiring that search feature, but that page doesn't include them. And I do that by looking at the structured data in the page. So I extract the structured data from the page and identify whether it's missing those things that are important for the for the to show up in the search feature. So, and, and and you can, you know, my followers, they're really excited about that and looking forward for that talk. But well, that should just give you an idea of something that is really hard to get. Yeah. And one of them even mentioned, wow, you know, I can't, because I said, I combine information for, from Search Console, from uh, SEMrush and from the structured data on the page. And he said, yeah, wow, that's interesting because I cannot even get all that stuff you're mentioning from the off-the-shelf tools market.
1: Awesome. How do you think SEOs should get started learning about Python if they've never looked at it before?
2: Yeah, and I, you know, so I keep going back to my column, in searching Engine journals. So I wrote an article precisely about this, which is because I keep asked the same question. How do I get started? And typically what I did is, oh, here is this course from Coursera and here is this other course from uh, Kaggle which are great, but then when I the feedback that I got from the SEOs, yeah, those are great, but they're designed for people that want to become programmers or data scientists. And an SEO doesn't have the time to spend months or even a year to learn all everything you need to learn about the language to be productive. And I said, OK, let me see if there is an easier way for SEOs to get started. And I wrote a very simple article. I, I call it an, an introduction to Python for SEOs for SEO pros that are familiar with with spreadsheets so and it is an article that is practical it's a pragmatic article that takes a piece of code that already exists in this case it was it was uh, a script that John Mueller wrote that pulled information from wikipedia and did an analysis to learn what type of topics perform better in mobile versus desktop i thought it was really interesting and it will be a really ex- Interesting example. And what I did, I took that code, that script, and I pissed it apart, you know, gradually introducing the constructs of the language. right, here is what is a Python, you know, string. Here is a a Python list. This is a for loop. This is a function. They started walking through the different features of the language, but at the same time, you're learning something that is practical and useful, and you're actually watching the code as, as it progresses to accomplish the different parts of what Mueller set out to do. So I thought that was really interesting because it's practical. Mm. You can put it to, 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 you can start typing it and, and making it, and, and you can get something valuable out of it, you know. So I thought it was that's a good introduction.
1: Yeah, honestly, um, I've, I've checked that article out because that's I think that's why we reached out to you. We just thought the article awesome. is so awesome and it's so helpful that we needed you to get you on to kind of be the Python guy.
2: <laughs> oh, that's incredible. That's really awesome to hear that. I'm glad that, that you found it useful.
0: What would be hilarious, Hamlet, is if you actually had a phobia of snakes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's really the case. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you I would tell you why because that's that's not a common pet in my in my home country, right? I see that, <laughs> that here it's a common pet in the US, probably in the UK as well. And I was like, Wow, <laughs> like a pet. it's
1: not awesome. something
2: we'll have. <laughs>
0: awesome. Right. So yeah. I think I mean I kind of find the sort of technical side of things like even that like, yes I want to do it and I want to get better at it but I do find it a bit scary and a bit daunting at times and I imagine that lots of other people feel the same or they just feel like oh I can't do it because I'm not technical enough is there any bit of advice that you could give to sort of like, I don't know, ease us into it or be like, or give us a bit of advice like, come on, you can.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you that it's okay and it's normal to be, you know, for this to be intimidating, right? So as marketers, we are naturally technophobic, you know, that's the fact, right? So we're not really into that stuff, right? And I like, I love to give the example of Ruth Everett from Deep Crawl. Right. Probably that she's also going to be uh, one of the speakers, and she's going to be actually talking about Python, introduction to Python. And I love because she she overcome her fear, right? She doesn't have a, the developer background that I have, and she was in. And she told me that she was inspired by a webinar I gave, you know, for the company about automating text generation. And I showed her, look, you know, this stuff you can do it. You can take images and have this code describe them and she was so blown away by that She, said, i have to try it and she tried it and she saw the the outcome and she got in love with the language literally she started you know i have to spend time learning this because this she got really passionate about it so i think it's it's you look for people like her and there are more examples like uh, at the end of most smart articles i share work done by by people from the community scripts that they're doing here and there Mm. It is, and the other thing is I, you, you can think about, you know, I, l- I like to use the analogy of, of losing weight, going to the gym. <laughs> so, yeah, it's hard work, right? So you yeah. you, don't, you don't imagine, you're not, you're not picturing the weights. You're not picturing the hard work. You're not picturing this the hard stuff. You're picturing the outcome, right? You're imagining, you know, how beautiful you're going to look after you, you know, shoot out some of those weights and stuff like that. You're picturing, you know, walking through the beach, you know, and looking at the <laughs> wow. In your speed days. <laughs> exactly, in your speed days. Exactly. So that's the cool That's the cool part, right? So that's what I think is that you have to think about it and also that you don't need to become a professional programmer. You don't need to become a professional engineer. And one of the other cool things that you can do about it is that you can find, I, I like to talk about this, this gap that exists be, between an engineer and a marketer. When you know a little bit of both, you can find the stories that everybody, that other people are missing. You find opportunities that other people don't see. Right? So, for example, a lot of the ideas that I share are because I can see both worlds, and I can see that when you're only one or the other, you don't you miss you miss that you, you don't have the context as an engineer of the of of the marketer that has all this understanding about the user and they. And the marketer doesn't have the context of the engineer to understand what is actually possible. So that leaves a lot of really interesting stuff you can do and stand out.
1: I love that. And I think there's just so much that you can do from both sides. So if you are an engineer, if you are are a marketer, if you are an SEO, but it's really good if you can understand each other's areas, which is kind of, this helps with that, doesn't it? Exactly. So what do you think maybe the top three things SEOs or even website managers should be looking at to improve their SEO? If it was, and it can be obviously across the board on any of those disciplines. I think
2: to improve, you have to be thinking about what's unique. Yeah, And these are the things that I don't see people asking themselves. because um i see you know in conversations that people become too tactical and they're just looking at you know oh i, I want to rank with this keyword that keyword and they're not thinking about you know what is what their business is perceived as right so what is the what is the theme what is the messaging what is the trust that you're building you know and you mentioned you mentioned an example i did that with my business right i could be trying to rank for keywords here and that i was like no, but now I'm, you know, the Python guy, right? So people thinking about Python. They're thinking about automation. They're thinking about Hamlet. Look at what we're having this conversation, right? I've been building a theme around my business, around my personal brand, around automation, about making things faster, easier, you know, getting you know, new ideas to the market. So we're thinking about all these content efforts, all these SEO efforts, how do they add up to a story that you want to, that sets you apart from everybody else in your market? That's what I think... Is from my perspective the most important thing because all these other all tactical things should be supporting functions of that overall theme, overall message that you want to bring out to the market about who you are, what you're trying to accomplish, and why you're trying to accomplish it, right? And it's kind of like a different way to, to look at it, right? And the other thing is that also looking at the change, at the context, how fast it's changing, how, how fast we're shifting away from the 10 blue links to more. You know, the search engines are now answering engines, right? They're more yes. trying to be what do you want? Here it is the answer.
0: That really nicely leads me on to this next question. We've probably got time for one more question each, um, and then we'll probably. Get into the future. Obviously, a good topic is to sort of discuss. Okay, where is SEO going to go? How is it going to change? So, do you think it's going to be about more automation, less people, which is always a scary topic? Is there going to be more focus on content intent? Yeah. What What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, and I I want to reference uh, a research that Microsoft published just at the end of January. I can share the links you you share with the listeners after the
0: Yes. Any links or anything like that I can pop, pop in the show note and share over socials and stuff.
2: Yeah. So Microsoft shared a research from you know, the advertising unit where they said, what are the trends that they see happening and becoming important for the next 10 years? Mm-hmm. And you know, we're fortunate that Microsoft listed as one of the hard skills SEO. They listed SEO as the top one hard skill that they see as important for the next decade. And they listed also data analysis, they listed behavior analysis, and they listed in in the fourth place automation. So they mentioned automation, they mentioned SEO, data analysis. So you start seeing, right, that this stuff of Python and this stuff about you know that I'm talking about it's not a it's not a fad. It's, It's gonna be super critical for the next. 10 years.
0: You're going to listen to what Microsoft have to say, aren't you?
2: (laughs) Yeah, sure. But they also talk about the importance of creativity, right? So with all this stuff with automation, then the creativity becomes a far more critical role, right? And let me give you a little bit of a tip there, right? So when you're able to play in different worlds, it can bring up a lot more creative solutions, right? When you're able to take ideas that are working in different industries, and you can see, wow, that's working really great for them. And you can capture that and bring it to your, to your, to your space. You are being creative. You're bringing new, new stuff that doesn't exist, but you're you're essentially stealing it from other places. So that's a really, you know, cool trick you can do there.
1: Awesome! Yes, yes, most definitely. Bril, thank you. Uh, sorry, I was I was talking again, and I forgot I was on mute. Can you hear me now? <laughs> we can. We can. <laughs> uh, this this uh, recording from home thing is not for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Hamlet, as well as being the Python guy, you are also CEO of RankSense. And the RankSense website says it will speed up SEO results from six months to six weeks. Can you give us an example of when and how that's happened for an e-commerce company?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and e-commerce is our sweet spot. You know, most of our clients are in e-commerce. So yeah, so basically it, it is because we call these Agile SEO which is you we built a technology platform where we are, you are able to make changes incrementally and learn from them there are three components that allow us to shrink the the time from months to, to 6 weeks as, as we mentioned it is first is bypassing the dev queue so we don't have to rely on developers you know if you, we have an SEO you have all these recommendations we don't have to pass them to developers to execute them the marketer using our technology, can execute those recommendations using our platform. Our platform, the another way you can think about it is like a Google Tag Manager, but for SEO, where you as a marketer, is you, you are managing the tags, but they're not after the page is loaded with JavaScript, they're rendered. Our, our technology is able to inject those tags before the page is rendered and is happening in, in the, in the CDN, in the CDN is you know, a CDN is the technology layer that most medium and large sites use to speed up their pages and speed up their performance. So we inject those tags during that layer, it allows us to bypass the developers. And also because we're bypassing the developers, we don't need to batch them a lot of changes. Oh, here's my audit. Here is this massive list of things you have to do developers. And when you have time, no. You are doing it yourself. You can do it incrementally. Okay, this week I'm going to work on the title tax. Okay, now I have these batch of changes. I push them myself and wait for Google to pick them up and also track the results. All that stuff from within our technology.
1: That sounds
0: amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Drop mic. I believe then as much as, because I do think that, this is such a good topic and we could carry on talking about it and yeah um, but I do think that it's time that we move on to the feature part of this podcast because it's not an SEO SAS podcast if there's not a feature isn't that so Hannah?
1: Absolutely and it just gives everybody listening an excuse to get in touch with Hamlet yourselves because I'm sure there's probably just as many questions that people are now coming up with that we've already asked. <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Okay, so the feature, and this is not going to be too much of a surprise because it isn't a very tenuous link for once, is about <laughs> Burmese pythons.
0: Burmese pythons. Yep. <laughs> let's, let's hope none of our listeners have a uh, snake phobia.
1: The questions I've got from ProProfs.com, and there's seven questions, so they're multiple choice, so don't worry, it's not going to be too difficult. And what we'll do is, Hamlet, if you go first, and then Sarah, you go afterwards. Okay, I mean it's only right that we let the guests go first. That's manners. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, question number one: What is the average lifespan of a Burmese python? Is it five years, five to ten years, or twenty to twenty-five years?
2: I'll say five years.
1: Okay, Sarah. So, this is how long they averagely live for. Yeah. I, I
0: want to say, like, longer than five years. I'm going to, you know what? Let's go for the 20 to 25. That was an option, wasn't it? That was an option. That was the correct answer. Oh, you
2: got
1: it. What can uh, I say? <laughs> Second question.
2: About these
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. There's still time. There's still time to be an expert on every type of python. How long are hatchlings? Are they five to ten centimetres long? 20 to 30 centimetres long or 50 to 80 centimetres long? I'm guessing a hatchling is a
0: baby python.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, mean,
0: I mean, that's awful that I even have to ask that. <laughs> I'm going to go middle of the road. Yep, 20 to 30. 20 to 30, that is correct, yes? Yeah, well,
2: Hamlet? Say, Yeah, 20
0: to 30 is what I think. Okay. Such a copycat, Hamlet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The actual answer is 50 to 80. Wow. Yeah, they're big snakes, Fipping out, um, which might help you with the next question. So I'm getting
2: all, all of them wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How much do Burmese pythons weigh on average? Is it 90 pounds, 150 pounds or 200 pounds? Oh, this is where
0: wow. I wish I knew like oh, my weights is so rubbish. I need to know it in relation to bags of sugar.
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's go for the heaviest one. You're going for the heaviest. Hamlet?
2: I'll, I'll go in the middle, yeah.
1: You're going in the middle?
2: No, yeah.
1: Okay, the answer was 200 pounds, so that's one to Sarah.
2: Woo! Well, you won the contest, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I missed everyone, right?
1: Next question, what is their average clutch size in eggs? So by that, I think it means you know, when it opens its mouth, and you know what it can grab hold of. Oh, right, yes. So if it was going after a nest of, I don't know, Baby snakes, or I don't, whatever it eats, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you heard it here first. It
0: Pyth- Pythons eat other snakes, people.
1: I think I don't. They eat anything, don't I? Don't know. Let's not go into that. I don't actually know. So, is it eight eggs, ten eggs, or thirty-six eggs?
2: Thirty-six.
1: 36. Yep. Hamlet says thirty-six, and uh, Sarah. Thirty-six eggs. Thirty-six. That's a lot of eggs. <laughs>
0: No, middle of the road, the middle one.
1: That one, Hamlet was correct. It's thirty-six.
2: Oh wow! I got one. A list. <laughs> Does,
1: doesn't that terrify you about can the size it? of yeah. their mouth? Yeah, yeah that's probably why hard. you don't want one.
2: So there are the lar- they're the large, they're the heaviest, the you know, the largest, and they're also the most with eggs.
1: Oh wow. yeah. I'm
2: I'm surprised they haven't overrun the whole the whole
1: earth. With yeah. the, the, <laughs> <laughs> so the next question then is, how long can they grow? five to 10 feet 15 to 20 feet or 30 to 35 feet am i first yeah i they've got to go
0: 30 to 35 haven't they really hamlet
2: yeah we'll say you this, this is an exaggerated animal i'm going to 30 to 35
1: <laughs> that's a huge <laughs> huge size it's yeah. um it's 15 to 20 which is still massive but yeah wow. not not as big so and the next there's only two questions left the next question is is this true or false the girth of a Bur- Burmese python is as wide as a telegraph pole
2: Wow! I don't true or false, false. You, you do no I say false
1: okay Sarah what is a telegraph pole you know the way it's holding up the wires outside. Oh my gosh!
0: So they're quite they're quite girthy. Something i never think <laughs> I thought I'd say on this podcast. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, they can't have a massive <laughs> mouth and be really girthy, can they? So no, <laughs> false. Um, that
1: was true. Oh, that. Oh, I've got uh, a snake phobia now. Hold oh no, this on, this one's even worse. This one's even worse. They have six pairs of teeth, true or false?
2: Six pairs of teeth?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I would say false.
0: I was going to say, I feel, I feel like we're now you're making
2: me. Now you're making me think about Dreamcatcher from <laughs> Stephen Kings.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It does feel like we're creating like a monster and all you're doing is explaining a snake.
2: No, now I, now I can understand where, uh, where Stephen King's uh, got the inspiration. <laughs>
0: <That
1: book>. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm saying false. So you're both saying false, yeah? Yes. I, I don't That's correct. To... It was made up. They haven't got six pairs of teeth.
2: Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> I, I didn't want it to be true either. So I was.
1: <laughs> so um, the, the scores are 3 2 to Sarah. So congratulations, Sarah. Congratulations.
2: Yeah.
1: You are the Burmese python expert, and Hamlet is the python expert.
0: You might be safe, Hamlet. Ha- Hannah, do you have a forfeit this week?
1: I don't actually. Actually, no, I do. I do. Oh. You have to say, tell us what your favourite animal is, as if you were a snake. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you have I'm... to say, my favourite animal is a something, and then, I... but you have to sort of hiss it like a snake.
2: Yeah, I think a rodent will be my favourite animal, not a snake. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yes, because you
0: just eat it, wouldn't you? Exactly. <laughs> but yes, well, I mean, it is shocking that I, because I normally lose these, don't I, Hannah? Yeah. So I feel. I, like, I say, yeah, but
1: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not always. Cool. Well, unfortunately,
0: that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you so much, Hamlet, for, because I know that we got you up a bit at the crack of dawn. So thank you so much for spending your time some of your Saturday morning when you could
1: be sleeping <laughs> talking yeah. to us and sharing your wisdom it's um it's been absolutely wonderful and I think it'd be really valuable to our listeners so thank you
2: that's awesome to hear thank you
0: how can people find you or like if they want to get in touch with you or rank sense or anything what's the best way
2: I am I'm very active on Twitter you can you know find me on Twitter Hamlet Batista all together my first and last name um, and they can also go to my website, uh, my company website. is www.ranksense.com.
0: Awesome. Um, so definitely worth checking out there. If you want to get in touch with the SEO SAS podcast, there are loads of different ways. You can drop us an email, hello at seosaspodcast.com. Me and Hannah are both on Twitter. I am Sarah McDuck. And Hannah is SEO, S A S Hanna. We're both on LinkedIn. Can you do the pleay bit this time, Hannah?
1: Absolutely. Please, please, please <laughs> subscribe and leave us a review. We'll be really grateful. Awesome. Right. So I think
0: the only thing left to do is say say goodbye. We've had fun, Hamlet. Have you had fun?
2: I had a lot of fun. So you you guys are fantastic. Oh. And a lot of awesome chat. And oh. yeah, it was worth waking up to this wonderful conversation.
0: Oh, thank you so much. You're making us blush. The feeling is mutual. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> right. Goodbye, folks. And until next time.
1: Goodbye.
2: Bye.